song. The idea that we would praise God even when we cannot see. Uh, and that's what the message is about this morning that we continue from last week. I have to tell you, I guess uh, you know you've made it a comfortable service and a casual service when uh, I wear a tie for the first time in two months and uh, almost everyone that greeted me asked what was wrong. If uh, uh, I just decided that I wanted to wear a tie this morning uh, and this service and next service, I'm going to take the tie and jacket off and throw them for a loop. So... No, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the spirit here, and I appreciate your spirit. Uh, Before he became dark and brooding and moody with a gravelly voice, the real Batman used to wear knit and spandex blue outfit. And uh, he had a, a sidekick with him that wore the same knit and spandex, except it was yellow and red and green. And uh, it was what I consider my childhood Batman, the real Batman. Now, I don't uh, disparage the Batman today. I enjoy the movies. I enjoy the look. But uh, there was just something about that Batman from the 60s and 70s that really influenced me. Uh, I mean, it, let's, let me just say it. It was better, okay? It was better. Uh, You know, we didn't have the violence in those movies, in those TV shows. You know, you didn't see all the blood and the guts and the shooting. They cut away to a nice little picture of a cartoon with the word bam and pow or kabam. And then you would come back and the henchmen would be laying around the ground and everything would be good, right? I mean, that made it better. Uh, And it had a holy emphasis to it, right? I mean, there was a spirituality to it because it seemed like every episode Robin would always invoke the holy. He'd say, holy double dare, Batman, or, uh, you know, holy uh, big mess, and, you know, whatever it was. And so I thought, there's got to be some spirituality to this, because Robin, you know, listen to what he's saying. And uh, it was just a great show. And, I mean, who can't say that Adam West's voice as Batman was the coolest? I mean, in those 60, uh, 60s and early 70s decorations and the colors, uh, it just captured you. And the thing I loved about Batman when I was a kid is that every episode ended the same way, right? Every episode ended the same way. Uh, Batman was, and Robin were tied up over a shark pit or they were in a block of ice in Mr. Freeze's uh, lair or, or they were knocked out unconscious by some kind of gas that the Riddler had spilled on them and, and all of a sudden the music would start playing and you didn't know what was going to happen. And they would always say, will Batman get away? You know, is the Riddler winning this time? And uh, I don't know. Stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel, right? Every time. Am I the only one that watches this? I mean, you, and, and you would watch it, and, and you knew Batman was getting away. There was no way they were killing Batman. Now, they probably could have killed Robin. It wouldn't have hurt. Uh, but Batman was going to live. But every week, you would come back and watch again, and, and you would dive in because maybe this time they fell into the shark tank, or maybe this time something happened but you would tune back in and of course Batman would use something on his utility belt or something would come up and he would get away and he would escape and they would defeat the bad guys those were the classic cliffhangers always ending in a happy ending and last week in the message that we were looking at the story we were looking at we ended with a cliffhanger 
We ended with something that was uh, our story of Daniel 3 that was just on the edge of wondering whether things were going to turn out good or whether things were going to be a disaster. You remember the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Rack, Shack, and Benny, if that's what you want to call them from VeggieTales, or uh, even you can call them their real name, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, which I told you last week, and I had several people say, now where did you get that? I didn't know that was their real name. You can go read Daniel 1, 6, and 7. It tells that's their real Hebrew name. Their Babylonian name was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it doesn't matter what you call them. They had chosen not to bow down to the altar of Nebuchadnezzar, and they got caught. Some people got jealous, called them before the king, and there was a threat of death. If you don't bow down, if you don't worship this false idol, you will be killed. And the king calls them in, and and he he gives them a second chance. He says, listen, maybe you didn't understand. You could die if you don't bow down to this idol. And that perfect answer that we had from last week's message, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Oh, king, we know that our God is able to save us. We know he can save us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. You see, they exhibited an uncompromised faith. They exhibited a faith that trusted God. They they could have backed away. They could have compromised. They could have rationalized. But instead, they said, no, we trust God is in control. And we know that God can save us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to trust him. You see, it was that uncompromised fire that faith that led them to the fire, and it was the uncompromised faith that we're going to see gets them through the fire. And that's where we led off. Nebuchadnezzar gets furious. He blows his stack. He tells them, stoke the fire hotter than it's ever been stoked. And it said they poured the wood onto the fire, and the fire was so hot that the guys that were stoking the fire, the fire blew back and burned them up, killing them instantly. Nothing left of them. And they grabbed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were bound. They had nice robes on it. They took them, and they threw them into the fiery furnace. And it said it was so hot that the fire came back and ate up and destroyed the guys that threw them in. That's how hot it was. And that was where we ended. The story comes to our cliffhanger. What happens? Because you see, Nebuchadnezzar and the other governors and kings and leaders, they go about their partying. And so they're over here having a party, and Daniel 3 tells a story. You know, they're talking about all the good things. They're not worried about what's happening. They assume those guys are destroyed. And then in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, the king, while he's got his drink and he's smoozing, and he kind of glances at the furnace, and he says, now, wait a minute, guys, time out. He says, hang on. He says, uh... Uh, Let me ask you a question. How many guys did we throw into the fire? And one of his governors leans over and says, Oh, king, you know we threw three in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? He says, Because I'm looking now into the fire, and I see four people, and one of them looks like the Son of God. Now, what an incredible picture of God in our midst. Now, we don't know if that was an angel. I believe it was the incarnate Jesus. I believe uh, Jesus, before he became flesh, not the only time he appears in the Old Testament. I believe Jesus was in the fire with them. And I love it because the king, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in there hanging out with Jesus. And they don't want to come out. They don't come out. Matter of fact, you can read the story. The king leans in, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, guys, come out of there. You know, and they're talking and doing whatever they're doing. It says they're walking around the fire. Their bounds were not, you know, their ropes were broken. They lean over and says, is he talking to us? He wants to come out? He says, yes, come out. 
So it says, as they came out of the fire, the people all around realized not a hair on their head was touched. None of their clothes were burned. Matter of fact, it says they didn't even smell like smoke. Now, I don't know about you, but you can't walk by a burning fire without smelling like smoke. And it said, instantly, King Nebuchadnezzar bowed down and said, your God, Jehovah, is the one true God. And he repented. What a happy story. Better than Batman. Happy ending. Everything comes together at the cliffhanger. But you see, this morning, I don't want us to focus on the end. I want us to focus on the middle. Because you see, if you focus on the end, you miss the truth that is found in the middle of the fire. Because you see, the title of my message this morning is a faith that leads us through the fire, not a faith that gets us out of the fire. And there's a big difference. You see, what we need to understand is that God never promises that he'll get us out of the fire. And I want you to hear me. I want you to hear what the scripture says because there's so much misunderstanding. God never promises he'll get us out of the fire. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes there is healing. Sometimes there is deliverance. Sometimes there is a life change. But sometimes he does not. But he does promise that he'll get us through the fire. I wish I could tell you that if you did everything right, if you trusted God, if you walked in obedience, if you uh, prayed all the time, you sought God's heart, you worshiped, that life would never be difficult. I wish I could tell you that you'd never have trials, you'd never have uh, suffering if you did all of those things. If you came to church every week and you tithed and uh, you were active in small group, I wish I could tell you your life would be roses, but that's not what the Bible teaches. See, the Bible never promises that. Matter of fact, Jesus promised just the opposite. He said, those that follow me will suffer. They'll face difficulties. They'll face trials. And you and I need to understand as long as we live in this sinful, messed up world, we're going to face disease. We're going to face suffering. We'll face the fire. And many of us in here will not make it out. There's going to be disease in our lives. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be hunger. There's going to be pain. Life is going to press in on us. But what I want you to understand this morning is there is hope. You see, even though we have to face a fire, even though we face difficulties, even though some of you this morning are in the midst of it, the Bible promises hope. Because you see, a life-changing, real biblical faith is trusting God and knowing he's in control. Regardless of what happens, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the ending on this world. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saying. They were saying, we know God can save us from the fire, but even if he chooses not to, we trust him. I read last week from Job, and Job says, though he slay me, still I will worship him. You see, when we develop a faith that is so strong that says, I trust God, even in the midst of a fire, God will see you through the fire. And while God doesn't promise us, he'll always get us out. He does promise he'll always get us through. Probably the best example of that is found in a parallel story we have in the New Testament. It's found in Acts chapter 7. It's the story of Stephen. And while it's very similar to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it doesn't have the happy ending that you and I look for all the time. 
See, too many pastors and preachers to get people to come to church and feel good promise all kind of things that the Bible doesn't promise. And what happens is when our young people hear that, when our college students hear that, and then all of a sudden life turns tough, they don't have a foundation of faith to build on. Many young believers, those of you that have never walked through the fire, those of you that are facing struggles, if you don't have a faith that is strong outside the fire, your faith will never make it through the fire. And what I want you to see from Stephen's lesson this morning is that sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we want or the way we hope. But God is never not in control. So if you have a Bible, you have your green sheet, look at uh, Acts chapter 7. I'm not going to go all the way through it. We discover Stephen, first time we see him uh, is in Acts chapter 6. He is chosen by the apostles to be the first deacon. The apostles were having trouble. There were so many people getting saved, so many people coming to church. They couldn't do everything. So they said, we need some people to serve. We need some people to wait tables. That's the actual translation of deacon, someone to to be a table waiter. And so they said, let's look for people that are godly. And the first person they chose was Stephen. We don't know anything about his background. He was probably saved at Pentecost. Uh, when, When Peter was preaching there at Pentecost, he probably got saved, baptized. We do know he was on fire for Jesus. The Bible describes it in in, uh, chapter 6 of Acts as being a person full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. We also know he had an incredible ministry. Acts chapter 6, 8 says he was a man full of God's grace and power. And he did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Stephen had a faith that would lead to the fire. Stephen had a faith that trusted God. And and we also discover in chapter 6 that people started getting jealous. God was using him, miracles were happening, and people began to get jealous of his position and began to accuse him of all kinds of things. But chapter 6, verse 10 says they couldn't get away with it because of his wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. So when they would accuse him, God would intervene. And so finally they had enough, and they took, uh, you know, what happens with a crowd, if they can't... uh, destroy you one-on-one then they go get a bigger crowd and a bigger crowd and then they start attacking you personally and that's what they did they began to attack Stephen personally and they went to the Sanhedrin who are the Jewish leaders now Stephen uh, is a Hellenistic Jew that means he's a Greek speaking Jew Uh, he probably spoke Greek better than he did Aramaic but he's still a Jew all the early believers up to this point were Jewish so they went to the Sanhedrin and they said listen Stephen is blaspheming And so Stephen is called before the religious leaders, and in chapter 7 of Acts, we have his incredible sermon. What Stephen does is he takes them to school. What he does is is he uses their history to show all throughout their history how the Jewish people have rejected God and his real prophets. And it's an incredible passage, and I encourage you to read it sometime. But I'm just going to read how he closes this little sermon. Uh, it's, it's a feel-good sermon. You can tell by if you go through and you read it. And as he brings it to a landing, he, he gets that touchy feel with his audience. So I want you to hear what he says. Uh, chapter 7, verse 51. Closing it, getting ready to bring it in for a landing. Here's what he says. You stiff-necked people. With uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law have in effect through the angels not obeyed it. Now that's not a touchy-feely message. That's not a everybody's going to rise up and call you blessed, but it was the truth. Basically, Stephen said, listen, you've never listened and you're not listening now. You can imagine their response to this young believer. He was in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Look what happens to him in chapter 7. It says, when they heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him, which means they were screaming. Their jaws were clenched. They were angry. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he has said this, he fell asleep. I love the way Luke described it. He didn't die. He looked up, he prayed, he trusted God, and it said he fell asleep. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul was there giving his approval to his death. That's not the happy ending of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not the way you and I always wish life turned out. But let's be honest. Sometimes life doesn't have a happy ending. Sometimes our faith leads us to persecution. Sometimes persecution and suffering and struggle is outside of our faith. And it's just because we lived in a messed up world. See, God, in our eyes, didn't deliver Stephen. Stephen didn't come out of the fire and have a party like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But yet Stephen still had victory. How? Because his faith was strong. So this morning, looking at those two stories, I'm just going to give you three things to think about. Three things that we find in both stories that help us see how faith will get you through a fire. How your faith can help you in the midst of trials, no matter what you're going through, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of the unknown, how your faith in God will see you through. And so if you take notes, point number one is this. They face the fire, both groups, without fear. They face their struggles without fear. Now, it doesn't say they faced it without conflict or without persecution or without suffering or without grief or without trouble or without pain and not without a lot of other things you and I would soon do without. But it says they faced the fire without fear. If you go back and read in Acts chapter 6 when all this started, it says when Stephen was sitting before the Sanhedrin, it said his face looked like an angel in verse 15. They're about to put him on trial, about to get him killed. And it said he had the calmest, most serene face that there was. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they came before Nebuchadnezzar, and they were accused and they knew the furnace was there and that's where they were headed. And they were tied up. It said they were at peace. How do you have a serene face when you're in the midst of disaster, when you're in the midst of disease, when you're in the midst of death, when the world is pressing in? How can your face be like that of an angel? Because they had a faith that saw them through. See, Stephen was prepared to face the fire and even death without fear because he had trusted God in life. See, he lived his life without fear and he knew that God was in control. So when life began to press in on him, he still had no fear. You see, when you have a faith that walks by trusting God completely, fear is replaced by peace. See, if I'm in control, there's no peace. I can't handle anything. I can't control my tomorrow. I can't control what's going to happen to my kids. I can't control what's going to happen when I walk out this door. I would live in fear all the time. 
But you see, when I place my trust in God, who has control over the stars and the sun and the moon and the seasons, all of a sudden there is a peace that overwhelms us. And when you walk in that peace, even when the world starts pressing in, even when things turn south, there is still a peace to be had. Let me ask you this morning, are you facing the fire without fear? You see, when you trust God completely, that peace overwhelms you. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers during the good times. He speaks during trials, but he shouts at us when we're in pain. What does that mean? That means God's presence is always there during good times and during bad times, but it's during the difficult times that he is the loudest to help us understand I'm in control. There was a new commercial that came out this week for Pepsi. I don't know if you saw it. Jeff Gordon uh, redid his commercial that he did last year's Super Bowl commercial. Last year's Super Bowl commercial, uh, you may have seen he went in for a test drive at a dealership, and he was made up. They didn't know it was him. They had a, a video in the car. And, uh, he went crazy on the test drive, and the, the guy that the car dealer went crazy. His face was, you know, screaming and hollering and yelling, and Gordon spinning out and you know going 120 miles an hour, and you know the test the, the car dealer is just freaking out. Well, after that commercial came out, there were a lot of people that said it was fake said they had just planned the whole thing they had schemed the whole thing and one of them was a sports writer well so pepsi and jeff gordon decided to get back at the sports writer and so they planned this elaborate thing you see it online it's a new pepsi commercial uh they go and gordon dresses up like an ex-con he's got long sideburns and his poofy hair and he's got a toothpick in his mouth and he might be wearing overalls i don't know he, he looks like a typical redneck and uh he's a taxi driver and he goes to this guy's uh working with the guy's company that the guy works for they were all in on it they go to pick him up outside his hotel and so the guy gets in the car and he's in the back seat and he you know gordon says you might want to strap in so the guy straps in and, and uh, Gordon starts telling him you know man uh, life's been tough I'm an ex-con just trying to make a living and, and all of a sudden a police car pulls up behind him and Gordon starts saying oh I, I can't afford this I don't need a you know oh man I'm kind of nervous and the, you know and the guy's in the back he's saying you know just pull over it's not that big a deal you know he's got a cell phone out you can see he's calling he's like you know might want to pull over and, you know he's looking around at the police car and uh, all of a sudden Gordon said that's it I can't take it Boom, he took off and he starts going off-road, and he's spinning around this warehouse, and they've got a track all set up for him. And, I mean, it, it is crazy. He, you know, they're showing speedometer. He's doing like 75, you know, around obstacles. And, and the guy's just screaming. You can't – in the back seat, he's just like, ah! You know, and he is. He's like, pull over, pull over. You know, he's looking back at the police car, and the cars are trying to keep up with him. And finally, Gordon, after all this, you know, a few minutes of that, he whips into a warehouse, and there's Pepsi stuff and the guy's friends and Gordon jumps out and the guy, you know, he's telling his heart, he's, he still doesn't get it. He's looking around, he's, he's like, what in the world, you know? And uh, Gordon takes off his mask and he says, you know, surprise, was that fake? And, uh, you know, he does. And, and, and it's funny because the guy says, no, that's not fake. And so Gordon says, you know, the guy just gone through all this. And so Gordon looks at him and says, want to go for another ride? And the guy says, yes, I'll do it now. And you watch the thing, you think, well, what changed? A minute ago, you were screaming and going crazy and saying, let me out, let me out. But then when you discover that the driver was Jeff Gordon, you're ready to go for a ride. You see, listen to me. In a life of unknowns and spinning and going crazy, our reaction is dependent on who's driving the car. And when you know God's the one driving 
It's a lot easier to be at peace. It's a lot easier to say, let's go with this ride. See, what I'm telling you this morning is you can have peace in the midst of the fire. I know whom I have believed, and he is faithful to keep that which I have committed to him and to that day. Do you have peace this morning? Second thing they faced, a fire without fear. The second thing is faith found they didn't face the fire alone. That's a mouthful, but it sounded good. Listen to it again. Faith found that they did not face the fire alone. You see, while we're not promised an outcome we want, this earthly happy ending, we are promised that we'll never face the fire alone. I love the picture of the three Hebrew boys hanging out with Jesus in the fire. Man, that should bring comfort to us today. All of us in here, if you're over 25, have been through difficulties. All of us have faced trials, faced death, faced struggles. See, God doesn't promise he'll, he'll get us out of them, but he does promise he'll walk through it. And I love the picture of Jesus standing in their midst. Not up in heaven saying everything's going to standing in their midst. And I believe it was just as real. All of a sudden, when they started stoning Stephen, it says he looked up and Jesus was there. I believe Jesus was just as real to Stephen as he was to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because you see, Jesus promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. And his presence comforted them to the point that it overwhelmed anything else they were facing. Just knowing that Jesus is with you helps everything else go away. The last words Jesus said in Matthew 28, I will be with you always. It wasn't just a saying, it was a promise. Jesus is our ever-present comfort in times of trials. I love the way Paul says it. In Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or swords? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am convinced, listen to this, I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons nor the present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor else the creation can separate us from the love, which is the presence of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, you need to understand that no matter where you are, Jesus is with you. You just need to have the faith to see his presence, to look for him. We spend so much time looking at the fire, so much time looking at the disease, looking at our circumstances, looking at our situation when Jesus is in our midst. And right there at Stephen's worst time in his life, he looked up and Jesus was smiling at him. You see, you and I need to understand we have that same promise We have a Savior that's with us in the midst. Sometimes he delivers us, but sometimes he doesn't. But he's always with us. The most famous psalm in the Bible, Psalms 23, David's psalm. Most of us know it by heart. We can quote it and we can say it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know God's going to deliver me. I know God's going to save me. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'll have no fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what his rod and his staff represents? His rod represents his control. He he is in control. His staff represents his presence. 
See, David was saying it before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before Stephen. David was saying, listen, there are going to be times in life when death is going to press in, when disease is going to come against me, but I am not going to be afraid. You know why? Because God's presence and God is in control, and that will comfort me. See, what I want you to understand is when you face the fire, when you face suffering, when you face trials, when you face persecution, you can do it without fear, and you can do it with the presence of God. See, what he was saying is, I have no fear because I know you're in control. And church, I want you to understand whatever fire you're going through this morning, whatever difficulty you're facing, your faith, your faith in God is the avenue to peace instead of fear. It's your faith in God that will lead you to feel and to see and to sense his presence and comfort and to recognize that you're not alone. You see, while he may not take us out of the fire, he'll always get us through the fire without fear with his presence. And the last thing I want you to see, this is probably the neatest thing that comes out of this story of Stephen. When the world closes in, faith opens heaven. Now, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Because you see, all of us are going to hit this place in our life when the world closes in so much that we can't see anything else. Literally what he's saying in Stephen's life is the things of earth grow strangely dim. You see, what happens is, is that when the world presses in beyond our control, our faith allows heaven to open up. See, it allows us to see God's hand beyond our circumstances. We begin to see that God is in control and that God has a plan. Did did you see what happened? Stephen didn't even know they were stoning him. He's talking to God. He said, look, I see God. And you know by what he prayed, the moment that he saw Jesus and they were stoning him, what did he do? He said, Lord, forgive these people. Why in the world in the midst of of dying, these people stoning him, would he say, God, don't hold this against them? Because in the midst of that, heaven opened up and he saw that God had a bigger plan than him. You see, he saw that God was using Stephen's life for a bigger picture. And I want you to grab a hold of this. We like to claim verses like God works together for good to all things to them that are called according to his purposes, right? All things work together for good to them that love Jesus. And that's the way we quote it. Or even better, all things work together for my good, right? We hang on to that, but we miss. It doesn't say for your good. All things work together for good to those that are called according to what? His purposes. See, God says it works together for my good. Now, sometimes your good and his good come together, but sometimes they don't. And what Stephen was realizing when he was laying there on that ground is that God was doing something much bigger. Because you see, what you and I need to understand is that when our faith and God's will collides, we become a part of something bigger than ourselves. We talked about grace and and faith colliding with Rahab. This is our faith and God's will. When we begin to trust God in the midst of our trials, I want you to hear me. When you put your faith completely in God, no matter what the circumstances, God always uses it for his bigger picture. 
See, in Daniel, we saw the results immediately, right? All of a sudden, there was a party. Nebuchadnezzar bowed on his face, said, said I'm done, said, I, I worship you. Because they had placed their faith in God in the midst of the fire. But in Stephen's life, if you were just to read this, you would think, this is the end. Stephen's laying there dead. But you see, you have to keep reading Acts. And everything you read from here on in Acts is because of Stephen. You see, all of the Jews at that time were all in Jerusalem. But when Stephen got stoned, they began to persecute the other Jews. And it's said there in chapter 8 that the Jews fled and flocked to all over the world. We call it the Jewish diaspora. And they took Jesus with them. Matter of fact, in 8.2, it says they preached Jesus wherever they went. You see, while Stephen was still laying on the ground, while they were still mourning Stephen, they were taking the gospel all over the world. Because you see, the seeds of Stephen's faith became a part of something bigger than himself. And you just hear who was there. Why would Luke say that they placed their robes at Saul's feet? Why would it say in chapter 8, verse 1, that Saul was there and approved of all of this? Because in two chapters over and less than two weeks later, Saul's going to be walking on the road to Damascus. He's going to encounter Jesus. And I believe he used seeing Stephen smiling with rocks coming on him to prick Saul's heart. And Saul had a come to Jesus moment like no one else. And he became the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary ever. And I believe that journey started watching Stephen's death, watching the faith. You see, it wasn't the end of the story. It was just the beginning. Because you see, when God is getting us through the fire, he is building a bigger picture. I can't tell you how many people I know have come to know Jesus Christ because of somebody in the hospital dying of a horrible disease gave an incredible testimony of faith. And it changed nurses and it changed doctors that no one else could have reached. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary back in 1958, killed on that beach river strip with four other missionaries by Aka Indians, the first time they'd ever gone to reach them. Brilliant young men, all with young families, stabbed and killed, left littered on a beach. Wasn't the end of the story. Their wives and their family went back and began to work. And because those men didn't kill the Indians when they had a chance, they gave up their life freely because they trusted God was in control. That whole area is Christian now. The same men that killed him were the pastors of the local churches because God is faithful even when we go through the fire. You see, what I want you to understand is God will give you a peace and overcome fear while you're facing it. God will never let you go through it alone. And as you trust him, as you lean on him, as you depend on him, he will make it a part of something bigger. You see, all of a sudden your story becomes his story. God's never done with us when we're faithful. God's never through with us. Luke tells us later on, Mark tells us as well, that Jesus was with the disciples. The Sea of Galilee, after what we call the uh, Sermon on the Mount, they're traveling across the sea. Jesus fell asleep. You know the story, the storm came up. The little boat was tossed and the little boat was in disarray. And they panic. I said, go get Jesus. And they run down and they wake Jesus up. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? Remember the first thing he looked at them and said? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? 
See, that same question is relevant for you and I this morning. Some of you are facing fires. If you haven't, you will. For some of you, it's a raging wildfire beyond your control. You didn't ask for it. You didn't start it, but you're in the midst of it. For some of you, it's just a small spark at your house or at work that has a tendency to grow. But you're facing difficulty. There is hope for you this morning. Jesus asked, where is your faith? Because you see, the God of all peace and the God of all comfort the God who is in the driver's seat, the God who controls your yesterday, your today, and your tomorrow is offering himself to you. The question is, will you trust him? Peace, presence, a story, his purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For all the times in my life when I faced the fire. For all the times in my life when I wanted to give up. All the times in my life I didn't know where to turn, God. But you were always faithful. Father, a lot of times it didn't turn out the way I wanted or the way I hoped or the way I wished. And Father, I know the rest of my life is going to be the same pattern because we live in a messed up world. But God, I want to trust you. Thank you for the peace during those valleys of the shadow of death thank you for peace during those trials God I know there's some people here today that have questions that have struggles God I wish it was easy enough just to say listen just trust Jesus and everything goes away but that's not the reality everything doesn't always end with a happy ending this side of heaven but God this isn't the end eternity can be ours peace for today, bright hope for tomorrow by trusting you. God, I pray everyone in here would hear your voice asking, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Let us trust you this morning. Let us give you everything we're holding back. Bring peace, bring comfort, overcome fear. Let us see heaven this morning. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to have a time of commitment. Sing the song, It Is Well. Most of you know the story of It Is Well, story of tragedy, disaster, death. But a young man could cling to God in the midst of it and declare, I know it is well. Listen to me. You can't say it is well during the trials if you can't say it is well during the good times. If you don't have a faith that can lead you to the fire, I doubt your faith will get you through the fire. But this morning, you can trust him. Start today. Place your hand in his. If you need to pray, the altars will be open. I'll be here if you need someone to pray with you. But most of us, let's just ask God for his manifested presence in the midst of our circumstances as we declare it as well. Would you stand as we worship?